This podcast contains material that may not be suitable for children or those of lesser constitutions. Listener discretion is advised. And now, go f*** yourself. Welcome back to another episode of The Innocuous Bastards, a show you didn't ask for, but here we are. Um, Mac, how are you doing? Much better than I was on Tuesday evening. Let's just say that. because And I knew it. I, I read about it. I knew that there was going to be the, what they call a red or blue shift. And I knew that they're going to count more of the Trump votes at the beginning because they were the ones who voted in person over the, the more the Democrats did. But because, and I got to give tr- credit to the, the Trump folks, even though it put a ton of people at risk and probably killed a lot of people for it, they did get out their vote. They did a good job of unearthing from whatever disgusting rocks they could find the the type of people who would come out and vote for him in large numbers. So they they found more of the uneducated white vote, uh, you know, in the places where they needed to to make it close. And so that's what I was concerned about is that how I didn't expect Ohio to go as quickly as it did, I thought that they, were, they would at least close the gap there. But instead, what you saw is two more points added to Trump's total, two more points for Biden, so it was a wash. So there's still, it was still just about the same kind of win, the same type of win in Iowa, it wasn't close at all. So uh, the pollsters have got, I mean, I don't think they're ever gonna be able to solve that problem with the, um, the Trump voters uh, who refused to I guess they've refused to respond or they, they're, they're, they're not able to reach enough of those people out there to get an accurate sampling. It's probably, I don't think there's such a thing as the shy voter, but I think that because they're poor and uneducated, they don't have the ability uh, to be reached. So I don't know what they're going to do for 2024 on that. Doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, Biden is the, is the next president. And uh, I got to say that, you know, I've been watching it as all of us have been through the, you know, the time that you know, the several days leading up to it, that when it actually happened, because you knew it was going to happen, when it actually happened, it was an emotional release. It was fantastic. It felt and you really were definitely, good. you were definitely live, almost live reporting the election results as they happened. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't even turn, bother turning on TV. I just watched the, my Facebook feed for your, for your updates. Yeah, and, and actually the way it looks now, um, it looks like the, the predictions I had uh, during that night are actually kind of, so looks like he's going to win in Georgia by about 10,000 uh, plus votes, which is what I predicted, uh, and 40 to 50,000, or maybe even more than that in Pennsylvania. That's kind of what I thought there. So those are the big ones. Georgia is huge. The fact that they were able to flip Georgia is enormous uh, when it comes to presidential election uh not something that it's something that we all hope but we weren't sure arizona i still think they're, they're still counting the votes there i'm pretty sure that he'll end up winning that one. i think he's up by still by about twenty thousand votes Twenty thousand votes. win that yeah so essentially what he'll do biden will do is flip the map 180 was 306 to 232 for trumpy and then that, and now this and, and now this time it's 306 to 232 biden and he'll probably win the popular vote by about 5 million plus. So actually, what did I say? I think I said he would get about 51 to 44% uh, Biden. I think it'll be obviously closer than that, but I think Biden will still get about 51% uh, 
and Trump would get about 47. Uh, not the landslide I think we were all hoping for. Uh, but anyway, we, we can get into more of some of that later. That's, you know, to into why. Yeah. AG, how are you feeling? I'm pretty good. Uh, you know, I was like that, that, you know, every morning after the election, you wake up and I could check my phone to see if it's been decided or anything. And it just went on and on. And that morning I woke up, I don't know, 7.30, checked my phone, nothing. And I kind of went back to sleep for a while. And when I, when I woke up, it, there was, it happened. And it was just a great feeling. Uh, you know, it, I, we still don't know exactly what's going to transpire, but I'm, I'm going to put a little of this back on Mac. You kind of made a call early on on your Facebook that, put me in kind of a down mood yeah. and, and, but you know, it, it, it turned around, but that did kind of shade it. It, it, it a little bit kind of like, Oh no, to like, there's hope. And then finally there's this great uh, outcome. So yeah. kind of went through the whole emotions there, the whole gamut. Me um, too. I, I totally agree. And that's the, again, that's because he was able to get his people out in a way that was not even thought to be possible. So again, there, we've got 47% of Americans who are willing to vote for Donald Trump for whatever reason. And that's, so that's about a point or so higher. And so you have those extra number of voters that nobody saw coming at that moment, I knew there was, again, I knew there was going to be a red shift at the beginning of the evening because of the way the votes are counted. But because it was so, he was so far ahead in places like Georgia, so far ahead in places like Pennsylvania, that I was like, holy shit. This is, and, and, and Ohio was called quickly. All these places that you thought, okay, it's going to be very close. And it was not close. And so that's what I was worried about. Uh, but then, you know, you take a step back, you take an out of van, have a little bit of wine, and then you start going into the counties. I did do that, and I think I said that. And you look at where the votes were left to be counted, and in so many counties, you kept seeing this throughout the couple of days. Maybe not Tuesday night, you didn't know for sure, but as it kept going on, more and more votes were coming in at such a high rate for Biden. So uh, even in red districts, you know, he, he was getting six six out of 10 votes by that time, because it was the mail-in vote that really solidified everything for the uh, Democrats. And so then, you know, as soon as Wisconsin went, I was like, okay. And M Minnesota was another place, really, really interesting. It was like, well, it's gonna be really close. It'll be just, it was actually a, a pretty much a blowout if you look at it for Trump compared with last time. I think he only lost that by, and, and same with New Hampshire, places like that that Biden was able to flip back. But yeah, initially it looked bad. I, I had I had to remember though that, and I'm glad some people on Facebook did, re, they actually reminded me too, I was like, hey, wait a minute. They haven't got to the mail-in vote yet. So once that started coming in, and I think even about an hour after I said that, I started looking at Georgia and Fulton County, DeKalb County, uh, 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 there's a, uh, uh, around Savannah, Georgia, all the places that hadn't come in yet, there was a lot of outstanding votes. So that's kind of the, it's, it was just a weird tale of two cities, essentially. You have the, uh, the, the initial red shift, which is way stronger than anybody thought. And then you have the blue shift later on, which is fantastic. Yeah, I think the post uh, that you might have been referring to, AG, 
was the one where Max said, looks like Trump's got another four years. Uh, and that was midway through, uh, through election night. Uh, I muted him after that, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and then I was curious and checked in again. But, but certainly watching the election night results. And also, I, I personally knew that it wasn't going to be decided on that night. But there were definitely times where I felt that, um, that yeah, that, that it was going to go in a direction that I wasn't, you know, I was, I was not hoping for. And, but as states started to, to get flipped, I got, a, I, got, I got a little bit more encouragement. And it was actually, let's see, I think it was, um, was it just yesterday, like around noon when it was called when, when Biden reached 290? Um, or was uh, it? Early? I think, yeah, I think they got Pennsylvania first. And then it, it kind of depends on the outlet that you're looking at. Associated. Some of them still haven't called Arizona. And I think that's going to be happening pretty soon because each time it comes in, it's gotten down to the point now where it's about 50-50 on, on all the returns. So I feel confident that he'll get 306. He's got 279 officially. And Georgia's up by a little over 10K there. So they're going to they're, they're gonna do a recount. It won't change it very much. It never does a recount. So in fact, they usually end up adding to the winner, if anything. Yeah, I think, I think they said I was listening to a podcast earlier, and they said that any recount would yield at most about 1,000 votes. Um, yeah, that, that needed to be that was basically, you know, the reason why the recount happened. Uh, I obviously looking at the map. There were there were certainly when I look at when I look at the map, I'm not surprised by some of the results, actually, by a lot of the results. You're looking at the heartland, you're looking at the south um, and then you're looking at, you know, the probably the disenfranchised ranchers or whatever. Uh, and I'm not surprised that they that they were unearthed uh, by the Trump campaign. To, to vote for him. I do, I do wonder though, because to your point earlier about Trump, the Trump campaign turning and finding these, these people to vote for him, um, how much of that 47% though it's, it is truly, are truly his base or his supporters versus people that just voted for the party? I think 35%, 35 to 38%. So of the 47%, 0.7%, 35% of that is his true base. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you scumbags, uh, the deplorables, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. These are real pieces of shit who are willing to do anything. These are like the militia types, uh, not just those, but they're also just uneducated, ignorant, uh, mostly white people, not all, because there, there, there was a good turnout uh, for the, and again, to just call it the Latino vote, it, that's that vote there is the most compl the most complicated in the entire country right there because you have people from um, cent Central America from Mexico from uh, Latin America. I mean all over the all over the in Cuba uh, you can't really put it into one bucket and so you got to kind of look at you know sort of break it out but you know looking at there are certain voters who are Hispanic Latino who are going to be more conservative some that are not and so I don't think that vote by itself you can never look at again as being one or the other. The, Af the African-American vote actually ended up for all the talk about how he got more voters, way more African-Americans came uh, out and voted, even though maybe more of them voted for Trump this time, way more ended up voting for Biden than did for uh, Hillary overall. So I think they did their job despite, uh, you know, the, the 
and if someone's going to come to you with a plan, it, it, the platinum plan of all things, that sounds like a goddamn scam enough right there. It's, it sounds like a credit card that they're trying to offer you. So uh, some people were all for that. And again, uh, he did do some good outreach for political purposes. You know, he, uh, the tr traditional uh, black colleges and opportunity zones, a lot of that was pretty, you know, not really even that great. But then you look at the criminal justice reform, that's where the opportunity is right now going into 2024. Cause I don't think there's many people who believe that Joe Biden is gonna be the, uh, the, the candidate running again. I don't think so. I, he, he barely got through this. Let's just be honest, he barely got through it. Uh, you know, he did, he did, he did what he needed to do but he'll be four years older at the end of it. I don't really want to pin all of our hopes on an 81 year old guy as much as I love him to, to, to try to beat Trump next time. But opportunities are right there now to solidify the African-American vote, to, to have better outreach to the Latino communities, the, the number of them that are out there. And then there's an excellent opportunity right now to actually improve people's lives, the people who think that they were left behind. Uh, maybe not the deplorables, there's nothing we can do about some of these people. You kind of kind of got to forget about them. There's the people that you can do something about. It's that 12 percent of, of, of Republican voters that you can probably convince. And if you can do that, you can be in pretty good shape for 2024. Ag, are you surprised at all that the results are being contested by the Trump campaign? Well, of course not. Uh, <laughs> And, and a lot of this has to do with his, I don't think he even really wants to be president. I think he just wants to not go to jail. And, or, you know, there's, he's, he's in a world of trouble. That is the thing. He is in a world of trouble right now. And there's this thought that, oh, he's going to, you know, he's going to leave office and then he's going to kind of do his own thing and then run again in 2024. And I suppose that's possible. But what, it, what 2020 has told you is that he, is a, he failed as a president and he failed as a candidate. So whether he may have some influence on the next you know, presidential election, is that, is that is certain that he will have some influence, whether he runs or not. So his position now is to fight everything as hard as he can until the tide turns, especially with his constituents that okay it's over you know stop you this is looking more and more desperate and and clingy and whatnot so it, it's like the, the 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 general consensus among conservative supporters of his needs to be give it up okay and i'm sure he's starting to hear that now and there's this he's in denial about oh i i got is a stolen for me and all of these illegal votes and whatnot. And eventually it's going to start filtering down that, no, th this is, this was pretty, uh, you know, by the book, everything. And you just lost. So he's going to come to terms with this in the next little while. And he's obviously a, a very infantile personality that as soon as you say they can't have something, then they throw a fit and then maybe they'll calm down and come to terms with the fact that, Hey, there is a shot for me to run again in 2024. I better just kind of not burn all the bridges. However, I think he's going to probably try and sabotage the Biden presidency 
by who knows doing who knows what that is the thing is we don't know what he's going to do purge databases you know but you mean between now between now and yeah yeah and i think that this whole contesting of this is actually sort of puts all of that off for a while and so it gives them less time to be able to kind of fuck things up for the next president and i mean you know he's going to do this because he and his little twisted mind thinks that obama did that to him so sorry go ahead no i just like this is like this is his victim mentality it's going to play itself out to the detriment of everybody in this country because he's a vindictive petty you know small-minded baby about just about everything so there's no sense that he's going to try and do anything to make a transition smooth he's going to actively try to you know to hamstring it so that it makes it look a little better in the next presidential election that oh see he didn't do a good job so it's in his best interest essentially to just screw everything up and and leave the the cupboards bare everywhere within the government but do you think that he'll have support from his constituents right now um i mean he's a lame duck president for the next 75 days or so right um i think the support was supporting if they were supporting him now if they were supporting him before it was because he was the president so now that he literally is going to be out the door will there be a, a significant portion of his of his current staff that would say fuck off i don't need to listen to you anymore you know oh you want to you want us to you know bomb bomb uh, oregon no, we're not going to do it for you. We're not going to do it for you. No, I'm not, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about any kind of like a military strike or anything like that. This is going to be more on the back end information, uh, maybe people. I'm sure he's going to try and get as much dirt, you know, on everybody who knows they could be have dirt on you and me uh, before he leaves office. And you can just like, this guy is basically a criminal which is preposterous because I hear the same, I hear a lot of the same things said about Biden as I believe about Trump. Like they're talking about the Biden crime family. It's like, what? come on. I mean, seriously, do you guys not even do any sort of basic sort of checking upon what is currently going on in office as far as a crime family? I mean, it's just, it, it just beggars logic. Well, nevertheless, uh, I think when he, well, first of all, in this transition period, all of the people that he has in positions, they are now, they need to look for work, right? So who there might be a lot of resignations, uh, you know, firing somebody now or getting rid of them, actually doing them a favor. So things are going to be weird. And as far as him using these people to, for nefarious purposes, well, what, what's different now than, you know, five days ago nothing he's going to keep doing crap and so i mean he'll there is going to be some support for him when he leaves because he's planted the seed that this election was stolen from him and for all the people the conservative you know voters out there i've said this many times before and i absolutely believe this they want things dumbed down so that they can make a decision on it so they don't have to ever think about it again and it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong as long as there's some minor justification for them thinking or to continue to think the how they do, 
they're just going to buy it up. So this election was not stolen. This is just this was fair and honest. And you just need to get over it. And I think eventually some of these uh, voters, the, the conservative are going to get tired of this kind of like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a, a case in Georgia. It's like it's going to there's going to be some weariness to this type of, you know, China. It's just such a last ditch. And from all I've heard, it is a very, very low chance of any of this actually coming to fruition. Mac, you... There's no chance of any of it coming to you. Uh, there's no... He doesn't have any case. He may be able to pick up a few votes here and a few votes there, but this isn't 2000 where we're dealing with 537 votes deciding the state of Florida. This is not that. This is tens of thousands of votes that he would have to somehow invalidate. It's impossible. It's not large, happening. Large swaths. <laughs> or I've been hearing tranche. Tranche is the new word. Uh, in the election season. Now, Trump, we're going to get the next tranche of votes from somewhere. But, you know, no, the it's over on that piece of it. You know, otherwise, he wouldn't have all the world leaders who have come out and, and congratulated Biden. Even today, Benjamin Netanyahu, a strong uh, Trump uh, a guy, came out and congratulated Biden. I mean, for fuck's sake, they, they couldn't even get a press conference right. They, they said it was going to be four seasons something or another and then people went there and then and oh no it's four seasons landscaping supply or some shit and there's like a photo of rudy giuliani in front of this place and like next door there's an adult video store or something and then across there's like a crematorium it's like these are the kind of people that we're dealing with now and they have no chance they have zero chance of, of turning this around the whole purpose of this is so that he doesn't have to concede he won't, he may end up doing a recorded, uh, remember when he sort of admitted to wrongdoing for the uh, Access Hollywood thing, but it looked like it was a hostage video and you can tell he didn't mean any of it. He may end up doing something like that. And, and, and you know, the Republicans will come out and say, yeah, you know, it's time, it's time to move on. But he will never, because then he'll change his mind again and he'll concede to say, by the way, I didn't lose the election. He will never say that. He will never once say that he lost the election because it's not in his DNA. And it's so not, his people not. are the same way because they feel like they've been continually wronged and, and, and they're, they have all these grievances and they're children just like he is. So no, that'll never happen. On the other side of it, uh, I don't believe that Trump, I think the amount of damage that Trump can do is, uh, it's there, but I think it's minimal because of the, the bureaucrats and the systems that are in place. There's only so much that his people can do from uh, that staff level. They can tell him, you do this, you delete that, you do. But those other people don't really have to do it. What are they going to do? They can say no now. It's like, what are you going to do, fire me? And then you fire the next person, you fire the next person. There's the built up bureaucracy there, people who actually do care about this country, who are not going to allow this son of a bitch to do as much damage as he would like to do. He would like to do it. I agree with you with that. I think he would like to leave. America in, in, in a piling or a, a pile of, of, of fire and burning husks. He would certainly like to do that just for spite because they'd be, because we didn't reelect him. But I think there's enough in place to stop that from happening. So I can see it being he, he gives a fake concession um, video speech. Everybody accepts it. We move on. And then he goes back on Twitter and continues to rant and rave. He sets up the next four years of him trying to be an influence on the country. But as you can see, unless you actually have your power, uh, your, your hands on the levers of power, 
you don't really have that much influence and you don't affect that many people in you know the long run. So it's going to be who is going to be the next up for the Republican Party? Are, is it going to be the Nikki Haley uh, types? Is it going to be, um, I don't know, even Ted Cruz is going to be one of those kind of people? Or is it going to be like, uh, what's the guy with the, uh, the, the bow tie on Fox News? What's his face? The, uh, uh, the guy who has the show, God, what's his name? Get one to call him Trent something. But anyway, it, it could be another one of those types of, of, of people like a Rush Lombardo. He, uh, I think he'll be dead before then. Uh, doing, sort of reaching out to those voters, those 35%. We got 35% from the very beginning with hate speech and, and, and pandering to their basis instincts. Then you just have to convince the rest of the party to sort of get on board for the better of the party. That's kind of what Trump did. Do you think that we should be worried about the Proud Boys and the uh, white nationalists who, especially since Trump is refusing to concede and is already spewing narrative, fake narratives about voter fraud and, and, and election fraud and how the election is being stolen or the win is being stolen from him. Do you think those people, those most of them are ignorant, but, but a lot of them are smart, will will do something in the next, again, while Trump is still in office, he almost doesn't have to say anything. It's just that, you know, these people are already at the ready. These are the people, and we talked about the several podcast episodes ago in terms of like, whole oh, stand down, stand by, by or whatever. Stand back, stand, yeah, whatever the fuck you said. Some um, bullshit. Are, are they, if, if, if they were to act, would we have seen it already by now? Or do you think it's still something that could be a possibility? Well, I think they they want to continue on what they're doing too because it's making them money. So I think for them to go out and and engage in some sort of a terrorist attack with Trump not in charge. So it was going to say, okay, if the opposite happened, Trump was up by two or three points and had already been called the winner, but it was the Biden people who were going to court. Then I think you would see them get involved in a real negative way and in a violent way because they'd be there to put down that type of resistance. But because I think even they see the writing on, on the wall, if they, if they call too much attention to themselves, they're going to have a Biden run FBI, CIA, uh, Department of Justice that they're going to have to deal with. They don't want to put themselves out there right now. So I can see you might have some elements of those types of people who might, I could see, I could see in the next four years, another Oklahoma City type of situation. I can definitely see a, uh, a, ter a domestic terrorist attack. I definitely believe that more mass shootings, I think we'll continue to see that. And, and maybe even on an, uh, a more organized basis from uh, you know, some of these other people who, who, who can do that. But it, are we gonna see anything between now and January 20th? Probably not. AG, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I read something, it was, I don't know if it's a Proud Boy leader or somebody that has some sway within that organization. And they said, well, we're, you know, the right doesn't do that. And so I sort of think that their, <laughs> their, their state of, um, not readiness, but whatever their, I, this, I think that their, their mode is, or they've set it up as we're not the violent side. 
And so and, but I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying this is what they are saying. They are they're claiming that they're not violent. You like they well, you don't see cities burning down because of them. So and not that they won't do that, but just that they're not gonna be sort of going back on their word if they were to start some sort of militia event or something like that. So in a sense, they would be backtracking on their current position if they were to have some sort of violent attack. So that doesn't mean that they won't. That doesn't mean that Trump won't try to incite them to do something. Uh, but I think I, I sort of feel like some of this is just starting to sink in with Trump that you lost. And this is all you're, you're coming up looking incredibly desperate and weak by doing what you're doing. And this is going to filter down to people that supported him. And so there may be some kind of pushback on there. It's just like, get this over with. And I think that's maybe what kind of is going to kind of get him done. So what, what he does after that, I don't know. I, you know, how is he going to communicate with the Proud Boys? You know, any sort of thing inciting violence, Twitter is going to shut it down whether he's president or not. So I I'm just really don't hoping, know. Yeah, I'm really hoping actually once he's out of the office, it's actually more leverage for Twitter to actually shut down his account. Because then it's like, you know, you have we have no recourse. You are you are inciting violence. They've shut down accounts left and right. You know, and I think they, he was an untouchable before because he was the he's you know, he's still the president for the next until January 20. They could they couldn't do anything more than just kind of add the label. I know they're not about censorship uh, and all that stuff where they're saying, you know, they, they're, they're proponent of free speech, but there's, that's free speech is one thing. Having what you say, you know, lead people to start toting guns and, you know, and, and potentially uh, kidnap a, a con uh, whatever I think it was in Michigan or something, a congresswoman, governor, yeah. the governor of Michigan. This, this, these, this, these are types of actions that are incited by the things that he writes and he tweets and he says. And so why continue to have somebody like that, why continue to let somebody like that have access to media where that messaging uh, can, can continue to take place? So I actually, I do think that, and I do hope that the social media companies are able to, to find a way to, to shut that guy down. Because Mac, you posted 17 hours ago on Facebook and I quote, we are done with you, Donnie, but there's a chance to work with your voters. It must be so. Let's find a way to work together and truly make America great again. What the yeah. hell did you mean by that? Well, what I mean is that, okay, you can have your celebration. We can all have our celebration, right? We, we appreciate it. We enjoy uh, the changing of power, a lot of us do. But if we go right back to doing what they did and demonizing everybody else and engaging in the same type of behavior uh, that Trump was promoting. I'm not saying we just lay, lay down and take it and we don't fight it back, but at the same time, you can't be engaging in it because there's real opportunities to get some of those voters out of that, that mindset. There is. I don't think anybody really wants uh, a fascist government and at the end of the day, not everybody. There's some people who do. There's some people who are totally fine with that type of thing. And as long as it promotes their viewpoint. But I think most of them are in, in places of, de of being desperate for something, an outlet for their grievances, an outlet for their way of thinking. And 
the more that it's kind of surprising to me. I, I keep listening to like the guys like Rick Santorum saying, well, they don't like the replica party now. They're not, we don't like elitists. We don't elitists telling us what to do. It's like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? Elitist. Most Democrats are not elitist. Uh, they're no more elitist than Mitch fucking McConnell and any of his other kind of ilk. But that's what they're pushing. It's like the Democrats are holier than now and better than us. You're, you, th you think you're better than us. So the only way to beat that type of a thing is not to keep fighting on that ground, but to actually provide them with the, the ability to be, to take a part in the process. So the partisan, the partisanism of the last four years uh, has got to stop. Even if Mitch McConnell is going to do that, I think if you put forward plans that at both sides can have compromise to, uh, I think you can make some headway with those people. And then you can take that and then you can build on it. If you try to then, and for whatever reason, they continue to vote against their own best interests. A lot of these voters, like union voters, it's amazing to me that there's so much more Republican now because everything the, Repu uh, the Republican Party is trying to do is to destroy unions, and they continue to do it on a yearly basis. It's like a slow march. We don't want unions. We don't, and then you have all the union guys you know, voting for uh, the Republican Party. So they're not voting for their best interests, but it's like this weird, it's, it's all wrapped up in religion and, and grievance and, and un, you know, life, is un, is, life is unfair. So if you can engage them and come up with policy that can actually help them in, in their daily lives, and not just those voters, but, but African-American voters too, you can't take for granted what just happened here. If it wasn't for them, it wasn't for Stacey Abrams, for Jim Clyburn, Biden would not be president right now. So that's more my point is the outreach has, has to begin in a serious way on a policy level, looking at it from a moderate perspective. You know, I'm all for, at the end of the day, some elements of the Green New Deal and all this, but I don't want to defund police in, in the way that they're saying a lot of them, they have these very inflammatory statements. That's the reason why they didn't win the Senate. That's the reason why the Democrats lost uh, seats in the House, because they scared people into thinking that there's going to be a, left, a far left policy at the same time. And, but there's room for compromise in the middle of it. And then you take that and then you build upon it. That's what we have to do is get rid of this uh, uh, instant gratification for, and the desire for revenge on the side of the, of the Democratic Party who we're going to have to watch a bit. Yeah, Trump definitely fanned the flames of partisanship over the last four years and surrounded himself with people that empowered that the rhetoric of partisanship. I mean, even within families, my, my own um, as well, uh, it, it had been pretty contentious uh, for, for a little bit there that, uh, that we, we've decided actually not to, not to talk politics for the last couple of months. Um, leading up to the election, because it, you know, it, it's 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 a damaging thing. And I know I mentioned this several episodes ago, where I'm hopeful that because the narrative that's coming out of Joe Biden is I'm going to be the president of the country, not not the president of my party. And even if you don't vote for me, I will support you. I will do everything I can to help you. Of course, I'm wrapping that up in a neat little bow. But and that's not anything that would be you know, something that he could just flip, uh, wave a magic wand and make happen. But I like, I like that already that he's, you know, continuing to talk in that, with, 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 in that language, he's continuing to 
to spread kind of a unit unified approach to things. Yeah, you could still have your political party, but it doesn't have to be a political fight all the time, right? Ag, you, um, what are your thoughts about like just the the outlook on the the partisanship here in the U.S. moving moving forward? Well, I think one thing that we need to do, and and us three need to do this, is to stop categorizing people as deplorables or if you voted for Trump, you're a proud boy. There are plenty of people out there who are, are very nice people and, is, and that support him basically because they are able to separate the president from the policies or the president from uh, you know, the things that he got done, like say, you know, immigration. Like, again, this is all kind of stuff I don't agree with, but they feel like he got stuff done on immigration. They feel like the wall is a thing. They feel, you know, like all this kind of minor accomplishments that he got done mean more to them. So, but I think that the time for us and, and, and a good avenue for this is to start respecting the other side. And it goes both ways as far as not lumping everybody into one category and assuming that they're a racist because they did, some, you know, they voted for Trump. And I get the temptation to do that because I do have some of those thoughts myself, but there's a lot of, again, I don't mean to phrase this like there's good people on both sides, but I do know that there's a lot of, there are a lot of people out here that, that have lesser expectations of the behavior of their president and that doesn't mean them they're bad people. If the, your house was burning down, they'd come help you put it out. But they just have a different sense of how government should work and who it should work for. But I, I think that uh, we still need to respect each other's opinions. And just because somebody may have like white nationalist tendencies or they are a racist, you know, in years past, it would have been okay to say, okay, it's okay for you to think these things. It's not okay for you to act on them. And I think we're just, we're further towards the act on them part, more sort of verbally and, and then like, oh, I'm going to go kill a bunch of black people. It's not that kind of racism. It is more of people are more prone to say stuff, inappropriate things to other people now, and that needs to stop. And we need to just respect that, okay, you have a difference of opinion, but you are entitled to have that difference of opinion. So I, I, my, me personally, I want to stop completely demonizing. And I think Joe mentioned this too. I don't want to demonize the other side. And, and it's also easier to do when you're on the winning side, right? Because if Trump had won, all three of us would be super pissed off and we're not going to want to hear any platitudes. I mean, would you agree with that? I would. I would think so, but it's a and it's a different situation between four years ago when it was a brand new thing. Now we got four years of the experience of it and the the results of it, and you know people like Stephen Miller, uh, you know who are a senior advisor in the you know the, in the White House, pushing all these these types of immigration policies. So I, I agree with you to a certain extent. Uh, and I, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people who we can talk to, but I refuse to engage with anybody who has any white nationalist feelings. I don't give a fuck what they are. I will not, I refuse to give those any kind of oxygen. That's not an opinion. 
that is just wrong, period, and needs to be called out. And so those people who are deplorable, I will continue to call them deplorable, and I will want to isolate them as much as possible from making having, having any decision-making or uh, policy-making ability within our country. They should not. I'm not talking about those people. Those people who go fuck themselves uh, you know, from now until next Sunday. I'm talking about the people who maybe they voted for the party. They, they voted for the party because they like some of the policies and they're, they're really not racist people, but they're, they're more afraid of change. The other people, they can go fuck themselves. But how do you separate those people? That's the question. When you call a bunch of people deplorables, how are you, how are you, how are you uh, differentiating them from just people who are conservative? It's uh, conservative doesn't mean racist at all. Right. Con, uh, uh, con, conservatism is not based in that necessarily. It, it, there's a lot of things that they do and policy-wise I don't agree with, but it's not all racist. So it's the people who are out there actively engaging in fascist uh, activities, Nazi, it, it, who support that type of mindset, who believe that white people should be running the world because we're better than everybody else. Uh, who are actively engaging in trying to limit opportunities for people of, of, of you know, color who are interested in maintaining the status quo in the criminal justice system in the, in the way that the police do, do things. It's not about defunding. It's about training. It's about doing different things and changing policy. There's people who are totally fine with it and, and who continue to hold on to the Jim Crow way of life. Those are the people who we don't have time for. You're not going to change their minds. You're not gonna, as Trump said, he would he could go out there tomorrow and shoot somebody in, in the head on Fifth on Fifth Avenue and they will still support him. Those people have to be marginalized. They have to be pushed back into the fucking uh, wherever they came from, and and, and let them die yeah. off. Let my them point, die off. My point is, when you call deplorables, when you call a group of people deplorables, or you know, what other term you want. How do you, how are you, how is that group of people supposed to differentiate between just Trump supporter versus white nationalist? Do you see what I'm saying? That it's, yeah. you're, you're, calling, you're calling a group of people something. They don't know that you're not calling all of them the same thing, right? I think it, it's totally based on their actions and on, and on their words. Uh, but, we have a mutual. That's from that? your point. That's from your point of view. From their point of view, how do you know? How do they know that you're not just calling all Trump voters deplorables? That's then. This is the point. This is the point I'm making. We need to stop doing that. Okay. We need to just. We need to. The racists are racists. They they absolutely are, and they need to be called out. But to sort of lump them in with just other conservative voters, I think, is kind of wrong. So we well, need I think to... I said that. I think I said that earlier. Before I said that I thought about thirty-five percent of the country were deplorables. Okay, I think about the other 12, 12 plus percent. I, it is a problem, but it, and yet and yet they've been with it the entire time. All you have to do is follow the approval ratings the entire time. Every time Trump does something racist or egregiously bad, his approval ratings go down to about thirty-five to forty percent. That's what and that those 35 to 40 percent, they respond to all the dog, all the dog whistles, all the policies that Trump puts into place, the banning of, uh, uh, of Muslims, putting kids in the cage. They don't care about that stuff. 
So I don't need to take their opinion seriously or give any oxygen to it. It's the rest of the people. It's, 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 the, it's not, the more moderate people who I'm willing to work with. Those other not, 30 to 35%, fuck them. Again, but you're labeling them. That is what I'm, that's my issue is that you're labeling. They're, these people have been out there. They've been out there for the entire, you know, history of this civilization and more. There's people who hate other people. Okay. But that in itself is, you, I mean, you can think these things. It's so, and not that it's okay to think them, but you are allowed to think them. It's when that moves from thought to action. That's when the problem happens. Okay. So when you're labeling everybody a deplorable, you're lumping in a group of people, a lot of people in there who don't have those tendencies that don't have the, the necessarily the racist angle on stuff. So I, and this is what I'm trying to say is we need to do what Joe says and turn down the temperature. And part of that is using language in a constructive manner rather than again, trying to, to denigrate or, or separate groups of people into, you know, uh, something that you can label. So we need to just like, this is where we need to all just like, okay, let's just take a step back and see where we can go forward rather than I don't need to listen to you because you don't agree with me. You know, it's like we need to hear each other. And again, it's, this is anything like white nationalism. I am totally against that. I hate that. It's just that not everybody is like that that has voted for Trump. That's, that's all I want to say about that, really. Can the brown person speak real quick here? Yes. No. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Although you are very deplorable. To be fair, there are racists in the Democratic Party as well. And, and sure. so, you know, but what I'm, what I am hearing that that's being said for sure is that, that if we are, if we, begin to kind of open our, our eyes and open our minds, I guess, to the quote unquote other side, then the, then the lines will be a little bit blurred. We'll, we'll start to get blurred so that we're more thinking as Americans rather than Democrats and Republicans. There's still policies that, that are going to be more resonate, more resonant, that will resonate more to the Democrats and, and than to the Republicans and vice versa. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of, in terms of the people who are out there just to, just to cause havoc, that's yeah. That's one 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 group the, that definitely cannot and should not be allowed uh, any oxygen and uh, and any way to to amplify th that particular voice. So, so that I agree. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but before we go on break, I'm just going to read a, uh, a post that a that AG uh, have has uh, posted on Twitter 17 hours ago. What's that magic hour 17 hours ago? To, uh, Facebook. The post reads. DeVos, DeJoy, get the hell out of here. Election 2020, election 2020 results. And I thought that was pretty poignant and we'll talk about that when we come back. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash innocuousbastards. Find us on Twitter as at innocbastards. Or follow our blog at innocuousbastards.wordpress.com. Email us at innocuous.bastards at gmail.com. Welcome back from the break. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, so, yeah, uh, AG, I'm going to put you on the spotlight real quick. So obviously you singled out, well, doubled out, a couple of individuals, Betsy DeVos yeah. and DeJoy, of course, the uh, a very recent appointee of Trump's 
uh, to the USPS. Um, and you wanted them to get the hell out of here. I thought it was good wordplay, but I think it's there's certainly some meaning, deeper meaning to your post. You want to talk about it? Well, I made that post, obviously. Uh, th the names I used were for the purpose of punchiness with the, the post. But in particular with those two, uh, and I, I know several people in the education sector, they hate Betsy DeVos. And I absolutely do not blame them. This is somebody that was just a complete you know, newbie to any sort of education, especially public, and has sought to just basically tear it down because, and this is going to be a, an old refrain, is that the Republicans really don't want people to be smart because when they're smart, they figure out things that the Republicans don't want them to figure out. And well, the, the dumber they are, the they don't want them to be educated. There's plenty of smart people out there. Well, I. I you can be as smart as you want. If you have no knowledge, then you, you're worthless. And that's what they want. They want people to not think about complex things. And that's and a lot of conservatives are kind of like that. They just want it sorted out so they can get back to doing whatever they're doing. So DeVos has had, you know, again, she has this uh, security detail that has run taxpayers like $25 million. And this is something no other education secretary has ever had to have so <laughs> this should tell you that this person is not liked and they're not they they have no ex, she has no experience doing any of this stuff and this is all just basically this high level uh conservative policy of charter schools and all kinds of crap she's just she's terrible and so to go along with that lewis DeJoy is like if it wasn't for him, I sort of wonder if this race would even be this close because of all his uh, Machiavellian crap that he's doing with sorting machines and not approving overtime, not going, like he was ordered by a federal judge to scour post offices for votes and prioritize them. He basically said, nah. So this is, and I don't get why, I don't get this why conservative people are supportive of this because. The post office is like it's a demo it's democratic institution of everybody can use it and it's not expensive and it is a service you know it's not a business so it is a service provided by the american government to provide to give low cost means of sending materials to other parts of the country or around the world and basically the people like trump they don't need that they will spend the $25 or whatever to get FedEx to get it wherever they need to go. They don't care that it is an economical solution to goods transfer. So those two in particular, and, and DeJoy, that one is meaningful for me because I use the post office a lot. So those two in my mind, I mean, and then there's others. We can go, at, we'll, we'll, we'll keep going. But for those two, it was basically for the pur purpose of the post but in my mind also there's like two of the more visceral ones that really need to be gone and maybe even gone before trump is i would agree with you matt do you what are your thoughts uh, i think uh, devos is uh, unfortunately the worst we've ever had as far as the secretary of education um again thinking about it 
that should not be a political kind of thing where you need a security fucking detail. It's because of the policies that she put in place that uh, uh, it's not just her overall, it's not just on the charter school. She made it easier for sexual assault to not be reported uh, on campuses. And it just, these, these, these things. And what's even sicker than that is that she's not even a Trump gal. She's never been promoted by Trump as somebody. She was fucking Jeb, one of the Bush people. They were, Jeb Bush was going to promote her to be the secretary of, of education. That's how bad it is. You know, she was one of them. And so she was let go. And it, it was up to her. We'd have, you know, prayer in school. I mean, have Sharia law on a Christian level. And that's the type of thing. I think that people, that's the reason why she's so vilified. Did, did, uh, to joy clearly, you know, this miserable piece of shit, he, it, this is the reason why you say conservatives are, are just Trump. It's not just Trump voters. It's the conservatives. They know that if voting is actually easier for people that they will lose every election. Because I think it's pretty clear that I think that there's way more progressive voters in this country, but they don't have access or it's been more difficult for them to vote because of the color of their skin, because of the economic opportunities that they have available to them. So if you look at it, if you made uh, mail-in voting okay in all these states, in Texas and in Ohio, and well, actually Ohio it is, I guess they're not, but if you made it, but like in Texas, they like tried to, they suppressed the vote by only having one place to drop off these votes in, a, in Harris County of all places, one of the biggest counties in the entire United States of America. These types of things, these voter suppression things that they do uh, are, are it's what's keeping seven or eight of the, uh, eight of the last nine elections have not gone for the Republican Party. They've gone for the Democrats. And so if you look at that, we should have been in control all, all this entire time or not because the votes have been suppressed, but they, they took it to a whole different level just by, again, as you said, uh, uh, not doing their job, essentially, encouraging people to not, or not allowing the post office to do their job uh, is just totally despicable. But then you look at a guy like uh, Mark Meadows, for instance, is one of those guys who I like to see canned almost immediately uh, you know, Ben Carson, what the fuck has he done for anybody? What the fuck has he done for HUD? Nothing. He's lasted the entire time because he just keeps his mouth shut and collects a paycheck. You know, these people have done nothing for our country. The, not one of them. Mnuchin is the only guy who can say that has done something because at least he, he got the first stimulus bill helped to be passed. He was part of that. You know, uh, outside of the cabinet, you look at a lot of them, he doesn't have any real cat because they're acting because they won't be confirmed because the people who's trying to put in there are so destructive. Like they get the chat, Chad Wolf for the DHS. And he's just, a, he has no experience. He should not be there. The, uh, who's the other guy for intelligence? DNI. Uh, what the hell is the guy's name? He's another political hack. John Radcliffe. Yeah. Bill Barr. This, He's taken the deal that no Department of Justice, no attorney general has ever done the types of things that he's done. And there's been some bad attorney generals on both sides of the aisle who have tried to make it political. He's taken it to a whole other level. It's where you have them treating him like he's the king, a king. Trump has been able to act like that because of these people. And then finally have, you know, the guy who I wish would, and I think he's already had COVID, but I wish, I don't know, I don't wish death upon anybody. But 
the real, the most evil person in that administration is Stephen Miller. He, his policy on, his policies on immigration have set, have separated, you know, hundreds and if not thousands of families from one another and kids from their families. That son of a bitch is going to be able to walk out of here and write a book and be able to make money off of this thing. He is the worst of the worst. And I wish there was something that could be done about it, but there probably isn't. He looks like a villain too, you know. He does. He does look like a super. I, I definitely agree with uh, with your assessment so far, gentlemen. And and I uh, and I'll be one of the first to who you know who will not shed a tear once Bill Barr has been barred um, from from ever holding any office like that. Because yeah, he's a piece of shit and certainly abused his power to allow his boss to abuse his power. And, uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't do any, you know, any more damage over the next 75 days, honestly. Uh, but you, you know who I'd like to see for the, for the next DNC? I think Stacey Abrams ought to be the next DNC leader right there. If, if she could turn Georgia blue, imagine what she could do for the rest of the country. I'm telling you. Well, but for right now, though, the Republican Party still has majority uh, of the seats in the Senate race. And I don't think it's done yet. Right. It's not it hasn't been called. But uh, no, I'm at the DNC, the, Demo uh, the national uh, like the, the Democrats, the, uh, the National Committee. Oh, yeah. 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 Right now, they've got a bunch of people in there who I don't think they know what the hell they're doing. But uh, but certainly I think that and to your point about about. Uh, you know about Stacey Abrams she because I don't think she won she did not win her seat right no she was cheated out of the uh, well she was ran she ran for governor uh it was back in 2018 and that guy Kemp from Georgia was the secretary of state at the time uh barely mm -hmm. won and in fact a lot of people if there's any election fraud it's going on on the Republican side where, where they run things um she should have been governor then but it's almost better that she didn't because like I said she was able to take that and I, I saw a meme uh, about Stacey Abrams before that uh, revenge is a, a dish best served blue. And it <laughs> sure as hell did it here because there's still a chance. It's unlikely. But there's still a chance that they could flip uh, a couple of the Senate seats there in Georgia, too. So imagine if she brought them uh, Georgia as a state going blue and the two Senate seats there, then it would be a 50-50 split. I think, or maybe they would have to lead. I, I don't know the math right now, but that would be a, a pretty big accomplishment. But just that Georgia went blue, a lot of it's because of her efforts. And so we need to look at that as, as an example of what we can do in other red states. It wasn't just about turning out votes. It was about, mobil it was about mobilizing uh, people based on policy. And, and, and I think that's something that, that really needs to happen. Let's say the, uh, the Senate remains... Um with the Republican Party as a majority, what is that going to do? What is that? How is that going to impact Biden? Who do you want to go first? AG. He's, you know, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to be able to get stuff done necessarily. There's, I mean, everything's going to have to be met in the middle. Uh, he's not going to necessarily going to be able to have the cabinet members that he wants to get because those will face Senate approval. So he's going to have to probably pick more moderate people and so i mean this will be a maybe a bit of a stalemate i think that's kind of what the thought is about you know having a divided government is that what's going to get done 
But maybe really what happens is, is the stuff that does get done appeals to a broader scope of people. And we can sort of start getting back to that. We're all Americans. And there's some Americans that some that you don't like, and there's some Americans that don't like you. But nevertheless, at the end of the day, we, we believe in something, and that is, you know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So it could be that, you know, this a period of, of division in the Congress can actually sort of help bring things to back to the center a little bit more. And maybe it's, you know, a few things get done. Maybe there's an infrastructure bill that gets done. You know, things like really? that where yeah. it's not a it's not a partisan issue. It's like this is good for the country. And maybe we get to more legislation like that than trying to, you know, when you have a Republican president and a Republican Senate, they are going to try and push some stuff through. But now that it's changed, maybe it's more we get sort of vanilla legislation and we all sort of get a little you know, solid ground beneath us and we can start feeling better about just the state of the government and our country. Mac? Yeah, I would agree. And I, and I think that is kind of a good thing because it does give Biden a bit of an excuse for, okay, hey, look, I'm dealing with a divided government. So this might placate the far left of the wing. It's like, what are we going to do? We, we could push forward all these policies they're not going to vote on them and it's going to make us look bad. So the best thing to do is right now is to compromise and to, and to build slowly on these policies, get people used to them, just like with Obamacare. It took people to get a little bit to get used to uh, 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 Obamacare. But now, you know, unless the Supreme Court blows it out of the water, it's pretty well, it's pretty well supported by the majority of the population, including Trump voters, including deplorables, because they're reaping the rewards from it. So I, I think that's the thing. Is, is to put forward policy that you know, you know, you start out on, it's all about negotiation. You start out on year end, not too crazy. And then you hope you can meet somewhere in the middle. And I think that McConnell for all the shit that he's done over the years, I think he realizes that you can't go back to Donald Trump. You can't go back to, I'm gonna make Joe Biden a one-term president, even though he probably will be. But just looking at it that way, you can't go back to those types of policies because look what it's done. To the country. I think even they have to realize that at some point. And so having a guy like Biden, who was in the Senate for 47 years, who knows how to get shit done, might be actually very, very helpful. And then you get people used to it slowly. You get people used to some of these things that are good for us in, in, with regards to climate change and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, trying to re uh, uh, do how we think about, uh, you know, how we do policing in, in, in our country and addressing system. You can address all these things. You can't have, every, you're not going to get everything you want. And just because you don't get everything you want, does it mean that you just keep putting forward bills over and over again, just for, just to show your base that you're doing it. But if you can make some compromises, people will start to figure out that, Hey, this actually does benefit us. Um, you know, these, these things are good for us. And then you can just, it, it may take 10 it may take 20 years to where, okay, at the end of it, you're now the most extreme things they thought before are now commonplace. It may not even take 10 to 20 years. It may only take five, five, five to 10 years if, as long as you do it right. But we can't have as consistent just warfare on all fronts. Yeah. I think, well, speaking of warfare, I've, I've, I was listening to a few things this morning, uh, political podcasts and whatnot, and 
one of the uh, one of the uh, presenters said that Biden is walking in to a Lincoln-esque America where every you know it's heavily divided, and is that something that he's going to have to address fairly immediately um, once he's in office, and uh, also then, but because of his um, you know, he's a seasoned politician because of his um, being um, knowing exactly what to do in, in, in that realm. You know, they're they're prognosticating that he's going to do well, even in a Republican led Senate, because he does know how to how to negotiate. He does know how to how to, you know, how to fight for things um, and, and meet meet in the middle. Um, I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, because, of course, his platform, I believe, are, are, are his main goals are, of course, to address the pandemic, to address the immigration policies uh, and climate change. Those are the, the, at least the, the, the last two have, have been very heavily, um, it seems, pushed, you know, pushed back by the, by the Republican Party. So I'm kind of concerned, I'm concerned about that, that, that his basic, that his first orders of business appear to already be uh, something that the a Republican-led Senate will not support. But uh, but we, go ahead, Mac. No, I was going to say, I think that's just because of the the way that they've allowed the Republicans to frame it. And, and as much as I like AOC, they've, they've used her as a, a villain, as a, a moniker of the far left to like, they're going to come in here and do this and destroy business and jobs are gone. And actually, in the reality of it, the way Biden has been actually presenting it is that it's an opportunity that's actually being taken advantage of by China, by India, by all these other countries, is that there's a renewable energy industry, a clean energy industry that we're missing out on that could be just as good in Pennsylvania if you, if you do it right as anywhere else in the world. And so creating jobs through the policies, that's going to be the, way, the, the best way to get people to change their mindset. You can say, well, we're not going to frack anymore, and we're not going to drill for oil, and we're not going to do all this kind of stuff, but then you're taking away jobs, right? What are you going to replace it with? So you have to have a plan to be able to replace those jobs with something else. And so you can't lose the narrative there. I think getting us back into the, you know, the Paris Accords, I don't think people are going to be that upset about that. I think uh, a lot of the climate change stuff is going to be based uh, and pretty moderate policies. But the more you talk about jobs and how we will benefit other people, rather than trying to save the world, which I agree with, believe me, I agree with it. I agree we need to save the world and we need to do these things, but that's not gonna resonate with, with, with these people in these, in these states, even in Oklahoma and, and where they're doing fracking and all that, you're not gonna get those people to get on board unless you provide them with another opportunity to make money. Because it's again, it's at the end of the day, it's about their family. And so they only see so far in front of them. So it's those small steps, it's the baby steps that we can get there. Let's get to 2022. Let's get to the midterms with the, the country in pretty good shape. We've started, we've gotten rid of the virus. Well, not gotten rid of it, but we've got to a point where we're back to normal-ish in our society. And, you know, we haven't introduced a whole lot of radical shit, even though I don't think a lot of it's that radical. But you know what I'm saying? It's to, this, it's to the other side where you're working with them and you're drawing them on this line. Okay, this is good for you. Okay, we've, 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 we've given up some, you've given up some. Now look at where we are now. Okay, now let's get to 2022. 
We've proven that we can run the government in a way that's not going to polarize the country again. You might get a heck of a lot more votes again uh, for your agenda. And then you have a way to, again, you don't want to go crazy with it because you have to snap back things because then they're going to lose in 2024. So again, you keep introducing policies. By the, end of 20, uh, by the time uh, the presidential election comes in, you've got the country in a, gr in a really good place. You've got the policies that you need in place. You've got our standing in the, in the world restored. Then, uh, whether it's Biden or whoever it is, has, uh, and it, ho it hopes that the economy is good, you have a way to move forward with these, with these things. But it's all about compromise. We have to be able to compromise and not be so polarized with everything that we do policy-wise. There's three or four wises there. Yeah. AG, let's begin to wrap, wrap things up here. So what are your final thoughts regarding the ongoing election um, season, which we probably won't get the, the final results for another week? Uh, what are your final thoughts? Well, my, my final thought is that I want to thank Joe Biden for he's a 77 year old man, right? And I'm sure he probably would just like to retire and, you know, I know, I, although he has a good, strong sense of public service, but nevertheless, at 77, it would be totally acceptable for him to just lay low for the rest of his, of his life. But instead, he decided that and, and figured out that he was probably the best chance to get Trump out of office, and he absolutely came through. So I, I want to thank him for doing something that maybe nobody else could really have done. And again, this is like, he's an elderly man. And this is, this takes a lot of energy and a lot of stamina. And for him to want to do this, I think is it's, it's own remarkable achievement, despite that he's just another, you know, he's a white guy. And, but I think he's sort of transcends the whiteness by, his story and his compassion and his ability to, I don't want to say bring sides together, but to be that sort of middle ground and to, like you, you probably saw pre-election, there was a, a video of Lindsey Graham praising, the, praising him to high heaven as far as being a good man. And I think that that's kind of what we need right now. I don't know that we need policy. We just need, we need to, to dial everything down. I think Joe will be a good person for that. And so I, you know, thank you, Joe. Thanks for, this is another great service that you've done to your country. Mac. Yeah, hundred percent. Every, all like all that right there. I mean, I think that uh, there's nobody else who could have responded in, in the way that he did to what Trump, I mean, who has, who's experienced loss, and, you know, his son is an addict and he's got all, he's got a big family. So he, re, he resonates with a lot of people, to, no matter what color you are, with the, the troubles, the trials and tribulations that we all go through. Uh, it, it, it takes him a while to admit mistakes, but he does. He admits when he's wrong. Uh, you know, of course, you know, 47 years of service, you want to think that everything you've done is, is correct. But, you know, coming around on the 1994 crime bill, realizing that that was a mistake realizing that his vote in the Iraq war was a mistake. Um, you know, uh, the, 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 having a, a vice president, female, but also of color to uh, biracial, these types of things are not possible um, in Trump world. It's impossible. 
And if it's done, it's only done in the way of, well, this will help me politically. And I think Biden looks at things in the way that will, will help people. And, and, you know, sometimes those things intersect, sometimes they don't. But I think in this case here, we've got the right guy at the right time. And uh, I couldn't be happier for sure. I agree with you both. And also just the way the U.S. will be viewed by the rest of the world under a Biden presidency is already uh, a good thing. You know, world leaders have, have, have congratulated him already and reached out. Some of the world leaders that have actually been alienated by Trump have reached out uh, already to, 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 to President-elect Biden. So I'm, 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 again, you know, don't mean to beat a dead horse, but this was my first presidential election as a U.S. citizen. And so and it was pretty exciting um, to kind of go through all those emotions. I, I, I actually was purposefully not watching any of uh, the election coverage on uh, the election results coverage on Tuesday uh, night because I, I was so stressed leading up to it uh, that I, again, I found solace in your, in, in your Facebook posts, Mac, which, I, I, you know, that's really not really a place anybody should find solace, but mm-hmm. I did. And uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. And hopefully our listeners, um, uh, you know, they're, hopefully they're happy in their own way. Uh, with, with these election results, I think we do have listeners who, who do follow us. I think they, they lean towards obviously our same beliefs, but uh, but certainly to to echo uh, AG's sentiment from earlier, I think if we can just do our part to to lessen the polarization and um, and you know moving forward and as we work towards a better a better America, uh, I think that should be the goal. Well, Edgar, I hope we've made this really uh, fruitful for you today. Uh, we really appreciate your listenership. I don't, we don't understand why you haven't really uh, reached out to us because, you know, we want to make sure that, that you're okay. And we hope that you are okay. Good night.